0: Block Talk Radio
1: Good morning everyone, this is Stuart Crawford coming to you from Calgary, Alberta, Canada and this is Small Business IT Radio on BlocktalkRadio.com. blogtalkradio.com is an excellent website for those people that are interested in podcasting and want to just start off and start doing their own show, it's that easy you can sign up for a free account and start broadcasting on the internet tomorrow that's how easy it is we have a special small business IT radio show today, kind of a little bit out of our normal schedule, and the reason for that is because we've all been busy. We had SMB Nation a couple weeks ago, the ConnectWise Partner uh, Conference a couple weeks back, and the Canadian Thanksgiving last weekend, so we have lots of things in the calendar. No time to get on the air here and uh, and get a show on, so we kind of put the schedule, kind of turned it upside down, and thought we'd do one today. So I'm joined with a very good friend of mine, and... Uh, Somebody that I look up to in the world of IT sales and how to deal with clients and customers and how to just forge ahead and create that awesome relationship. And our show today is people-based selling. And what is it? How do you do it? And I thought I'd bring on the expert in the field, that I, at least an expert in my eyes. anyways. Jody Hicks is uh, one of the sales account managers from Heartland Technology Solutions, Jody, I think it is? That is correct. See, I, I'm still struggling with it. Heartland Technology Services, Heartland Technology Groups, there's lots of Heartland stuff out there. So Heartland Technology Services is a IT firm uh, spanned over seven states in the Midwest of the U.S., and Jody works out of the Ames, Iowa office. And I first got to meet Jody through our Heartland Technology Groups uh, peer group, H uh, 3 about a year or so ago, and uh, we've been uh, communicating ever since. Keep in touch and bouncing ideas off each other. So, Jody, welcome to Small Business IT Radio uh, today. It's a real honor to have you on.
0: Oh well, thank you, Stuart. And it's a it's an honor to be here with you, uh, someone I also look up to, and and like you said, somebody uh, with my uh, a like mind share that uh, bounce a lot of great ideas and and help me brainstorm a lot of uh, a lot of new directions to go. Well,
1: it's all about uh, evolved sharing. We've seen that in our peer groups, Jody. It's we can't possibly do it all ourselves, and we can share send things to each other and. Somebody has a different perspective, although you have a perspective on uh, football. I could take that and put it into hockey. So our culture understands it. It's all good, right?
0: Exactly. It, exactly. It, as long as it's sports related, that's uh, that's the, the common ground there.
1: Well, sports and golf.
0: Well, there we go. There we go. Uh, everything surrounds golf, doesn't it?
1: It's the most productive uh, yeah. place to work. Exactly. Well, it's it's true that most of our business dealings are done while we're entertaining clients on the golf course. But that's a topic for a total other show. <laughs> we can have a whole show on just how to have business on the golf course and do it effectively, I think.
0: I, I, I would firmly agree with you on that.
1: And we can invite some of our friends in Minnesota out there to join on that <laughs> panel. That would be an interesting conversation. And Steve from Kansas, our Kansas as well. So Lots of great guys, and we can have a great panel on that one. Let's get down to, uh, to the show today. We've got a listenership out there all over the small business IT uh, world. Expanding the whole globe, Jody. For the the world is your stage today. Let's talk about people-based selling. And first of all, before we dig into that, I want to remind everybody listening today that you can dial in live and ask Jody a question just by dialing in at 646-716-8372. Again, that number six four six seven one six eight three seven two, and uh, we'll be more than happy to get you on the call and uh, field some of your questions. So, Jody, let's uh, let's start at the beginning. Where? How did you get into this business?
0: Well, uh, it's been approximately ten years ago that I got into technology, and and I was lucky enough to to kind of hook up with uh, with a mentor of mine and and somebody that I think is still very forward looking and and uh, really uh, has the pulse of the the industry out there, and Arlen Sorensen. And approximately ten years ago, he hired me as a as a technician, and uh, one thing led to another, and an emergency room uh, visit later after a, a little mishap, I became his. One of his first salespeople, and uh, the one thing that Arlen has always based his uh, his company on is uh, building the relationship first and foremost. And and when you do that, the sales will follow, and and you'll have a successful company. But and especially being based out of uh, the smaller locations that HTS has, uh, most of our our uh, company uh, uh, offices at are usually. A, in the range of five to ten thousand people, now we do have some locations now in larger larger metro areas but in the, in the beginning it was it was basically based around those size of towns and and in those size of towns, you know if you if you don 't treat one of your customers right it 's the old adage that you know they won 't tell you but they 'll tell seven of their closest friends and it kind of a, kind of becomes a snowball process away from you and so using that mentality we, we always made sure that we treated the customer right the way we wanted to be treated and and based on that mentality, we were able to to create quite a quite a sales growth uh, within our company. And and from there, with ten years later, you know we've we've grown to eighty plus employees in in seven locations. But back in the good old days, we just had one location with a couple of you know sharing of offices in little towns here and there, and and doing the best we could to service our clients that way.
1: Well, let's go back to the beginning because you mentioned you were a tech, and I was a tech as well at one time. <laughs> And not to, uh, you know, upset any of the technical folks that are listening to our call today, because we, we need you guys out there, and we are very honored to have a lot of you guys out there that <laughs> love the technology. I had a awaken, I had an awakening three and a half years ago that I really didn't like the technology anymore, and your story is a little different than mine, Jody, but we realized the importance of having somebody out there who can understand, understand the technology uh, as well as get out there in front of the the clients and the customers, and really show them the value that this brings. Because sometimes, you know, for a technology-focused company, we could get lost just in, you know, the technology, or the gadgets, or the widgets, or the coolest thing that may not serve the client uh, business effectively. Or on the other, on the shoe on the other foot, it could be that uh, they're missing opportunities because of uh, maybe not adopting the newest uh, solution. out there. Um, you mentioned that you had a. Uh, a bit of a mishap and that uh, got you into the sales side. But were you always a, a salesperson even when you are doing technical work, Jody?
0: I think if you really look, everybody is a salesperson all the time. It, it, now, your skill set may be a little bit different. I, I might be a little different in my sales than the way my engineers do it. But I believe, and, and I, I'll tell people, some of my best greatest sales come from my engineers because if, if I don't have the relationship, I'm sure one of my engineers has a relationship with a client depending upon how long they've been a client and, and how long the engineer has been with me. So I do try to, to educate our engineers, at least the ones I personally work with, on, on how to be a little more relatable. Sometimes the engineers, like you were saying, they get so excited about all the new technologies, and, and a lot of them are wonderful, and, and the engineers only see how they could help the company and, how, and, and someone would really be dumb not to, not to use that new technology but sometimes you have politics and budgets and, and other things that you have to take into consideration. And for the typical engineer, at least that I work with, those are just speed bumps, and they, and they try to run over those as fast as they can to get that new technology in. And I, I try to help the engineer slow down and hear the whole picture from the, from the client because one of the things I try to do is get my arms completely around the client's business, the politics, the, the org chart, everything that's going on because every one of those pieces adds up to why they make the decision that they do. And maybe they don't make that decision today to go with the technologies that we're, we're re- requiring or recommending for them, but maybe in six months they, they will have a better budget or maybe somebody has left, and then they will come back to us and say, okay, now we're ready to talk about that. And, and I'm very big on never burning a bridge because you never know when they're going to need you again and if you burned a bridge... They'll go to your competitor very easily, and, and that could be anybody from a CDW to the solution provider down the street, and it's becoming more and more uh, easier for people to find your competitors. And so you want to build that relationship and never burn that bridge and, and just try to be an educated friend that they call when they have questions.
1: Well, I have a, I have a question here for you on the whole competition factor. I mean, we are starting to see, you mentioned CDW, we are starting to see uh, Dell starting to take, come into the space, um, it could be the competitor just down the street from you. Um, I, I firmly believe that your clients will n- never look at the competitor if you have that strong relationship with them. You can make all the mistakes in the world, but if you have that relationship and you can take care of those mistakes and all that stuff, the client really doesn't go looking anywhere. It's when you fail to look after those uh, fupas and those errors. and you know, We're human, we make mistakes, and... I made mistakes on quotes, and our engineers have made mistakes technically. and It's when you fail to react to those mistakes or you kind of brush it on the carpet, that's when the relationship starts to deteriorate. Uh, I mean, Jody, you you're, you're in the U.S., we're in Canada, we're starting to see some of the big box stores starting to enter into the small business space. I think, in my opinion, that you guys are going to get this relationship thing eventually, do you see that in your market that these big box stores are going to start getting that relationship aspect of how to do business in the small business space?
0: I think you're seeing some of that now with some of the partnerships that are, that are growing out of the big boxes uh, You know, with uh, Best Buy, with their, with their agreement that they're working with uh, Ingram Micro right now, and, and some of the other ones that you're seeing starting to blossom out there. But I, I completely agree with you, Stuart, that if you have that relationship, your client shouldn't be going anywhere else. And now that relationship never means that you've never made a mistake. Like you were saying, everybody makes a mistake. But I think the thing that I strive to do is to communicate with the, with the client and tell them exactly what's going on as often as possible and keeping them up to date. Usually people don't want to contact a client with, with bad news or when something wrong has happened. But, you know, usually if you run that, uh, run that through your head, it, it comes up with a far worse case scenario than whatever happens with the client. And you really need to be up front and, 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 you know, take, take the tongue lashing or, or the, the, uh, the yelling that the client's going to do. Take it, and usually you can, you can strengthen the relationship out of those. If by chance you do lose your client because of one of those, at least you tried your best, you were upfront, you were honest, and you communicated with them. And you know what? We've seen a couple of times where the client has left and, and six months to a year later, they come back and say, you know what? Uh, the other people weren't even telling us when things were going wrong. At least you guys made us aware, and that you were working on it, and what steps you were going through. And, and we've learned to appreciate that, and we want to come back.
1: Well, it gets back to the old thing that you mentioned: that don't uh, burn any bridges out there. No, no, it's it's
0: really difficult, and sometimes, and you know, as a salesperson, and as the engineers out there. We all have egos we uh, you know and if you've been in the i t industry i've been in there for a uh, little over ten years, and you think you know a lot, but sometimes you need to check that at the door and and really sit down and, and sit on the same side of the table as the clients and understand where they're coming from and and uh, you know take the tongue lashing every once in a while and and just grow out of that and know you know what um, hopefully we can grow a relationship out of this if not, at least when I part company, I know I can sleep with myself at night because i didn't try and you know, cheat you or I wasn't honest with you.
1: Exactly. Uh, this is Stuart Crawford in conversation with Jody Hicks from Heartland Technology Solutions and we're talking about people-based selling and what is that and what why is it important? Jody, you mentioned uh, a couple things there that really uh, tweaked my interest there. One was, uh, of course, we talked about don't burn any bridges and the other one was putting yourself in the client's shoes. Uh, to me, that's the first thing I always do no matter what the situation that I'm going into and in the sales opportunity. Even if I don't even know the client, I tried to put myself in their shoes. And being a small business, and you mentioned earlier that sometimes, hey, they don't have the cash flow. They don't have the resources to go and put that $100,000 solution as some of our engineers would love to see. I mean, I've done deals where the engineers were adamant that it had to be this certain spec of the server. But, you know, I put the, they put the server $20,000 over budget. Mm-hmm. Um, it is you know, I think that's what separates the good salespeople, the good engineers from the ones that struggle is they fail to put themselves in the client's shoes. Is there anything that you can speak on about that and what maybe you do to put yourself into the client's shoes?
0: Well, you know, being as diverse as HTS is, we we do have a lot of white papers that we've written for like Microsoft and HP and we draw upon those and, and we also uh, write papers for um the technical people from Microsoft and HP, so they know what we're doing, kind of touting our skill sets. We call them wind wires. And so I, I review when I'm going into a new client, I review those and see in that vertical market, if it's education, financial, healthcare. what, what have we done in the past? And I, I try and research a little bit more into the vertical market, uh, you know, uh, using our friend Google and, and just and, and drawing upon some of the, the information that I can find there to to kind of fill my toolbox with, with ideas of what that industry is going through right now, uh, what are they, you know, what sort of uh, uh, regulations are coming down, what, what what are they concerned about. And it, it's difficult, I mean, it, it, because being in the IT industry, we jump from idea to idea, from technology to technology, and, and sometimes, and, and I'm trying to teach myself this daily still, you just need to sit down, close the door, shut the phone off, and, and do some in-depth researching like they taught us to do back in college so that when we sit in front of the client, we're, we're at least aware of what's going on in their mind. And, again, drawing upon your, your, uh, your base of clients, you can contact some of your clients. Or if you're trying to get into a vertical that you're not currently in, uh, you've mentioned, Stuart, the peer groups that uh, we're involved in, calling up some of your, your friends in the peer groups and saying, hey, do you work in this vertical, you know, what are you currently seeing in your in your market that uh, that's kind of on the radar screen for them
1: exactly and that's uh, I mean there's a lot of good stuff there Jody especially on understanding the the needs of the client now let's let's put another scenario in front of you here is that we've got uh, we got a new small business let's say they're uh, in your market let's say they're an agricultural supply store, probably you know twelve to fifteen folks working there. They come to you and say, you know, Jody, we need a, we need some technology here. Here's our budget. We got fifteen thousand dollars to spend on this whole package, but we know what we need to be able to compete globally. We need to be able to offer our customers a place where they can go and do business with us with ease. And you know what? We're hearing this all the time is downtime is not an option. hmm Now what does that normal process look like for you when you go into a, a situation like that? And you have to, uh, you know, re, you know, knowing that maybe that fifteen thousand dollars budget is more like, uh, you know, to accomplish everything you want here, maybe thirty or forty thousand dollars. How can how could you work that relationship and understand what the people's needs are, in order to, uh, first of all, you know, get the solution that they want, and perhaps, uh, you know, maybe that fifteen thousand dollars budget is not doable for them.
0: Well, some of the tools that we bring in when I'm going, especially into a new client, is. The first thing I do is the uh, Microsoft Small Business Assessment Kit. Um, I pull that out and go through, and really what I'm looking for there is what are the priorities of the business? What are their top priorities and what are things that they think they need but uh, they're not sure where they sit on that list? Because sometimes what they think is their A1 priority, when you really sit down and hear what their real business goals are, not their technology goals, but their business goals, what they thought their A1 technology uh, priority should be is not their A1 technology. It, it may come down to a B1. So I sit down and I do an assessment going through that. And then from there, I sit down and create a scope of work with one of my engineers. And, and then we start plugging numbers in. And, and like you said, when, when finances comes into, uh, into play, uh, one of the directions that we've gone quite a bit lately is with the Microsoft financing because uh, they, they're very creative in, in ways that they can get product and, and solutions in front of my clients that, at, uh, that my clients would not be able to afford otherwise, even if they went to a, a more standard lender like a bank or, or something along those lines. Microsoft Financing has been a great partner for us and, and have opened up a lot of doors for, for ourselves and, and for our clients.
1: Okay, so let's, let's uh, remember those two things, financing and the technology assessment toolkit. We'll come back to those because, you know, us sales guys, we have an attention span that's very short. <laughs> and uh, I think between the two of us we can re- remember to uh, talk about it so let's just talk about the, the the technology assessment tool because you brought that up first where can we find that if we're a small business partner where can we find that
0: that is on the uh, the Microsoft website and I uh, don't have that link right in front of me but I'd be able to get that to you so we can post that out there um, sure. it is it is a a, a downloaded tool that uh I believe they're revising it, so it might need to run on the web. The the version that I have uh, actually sits on the hard drive. But there are, oh, I don't know, 12 to 15 different assessments that are standard templates. And then you can go in and customize those, uh, maybe adding questions that, uh, because of the vertical that they're in, Uh, like you were saying, agriculture. Maybe maybe I need to bring in GPS technologies and, and things along that line that, Maybe Microsoft didn 't preset in some of their assessments, so I can pull in some questions that are more 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 uh specific for the client that i 'm going to talk to and then from there uh, I sit down usually I, I try and block an hour with the with whomever i 'm meeting with if it 's the head of technology, if it 's the CEO and, and each one of those would get a different assessment than um, because of their knowledge base and, and their their priority sets, usually I try and get in front of the the highest level of the the executive team that I can. And in the SMB marketplace, usually that's the CIO, CEO, CEO, COOC, whatever else, because it's the same person. It's the owner of the small business. And uh, sitting down in front of them and going through this assessment. And, you know, at first they think, oh, you know, I don't really need to answer these questions. But it does take some hand-holding. And I explain what each question really means what are we looking for? Why, why am I asking these? I'm not just asking these to take up your time. I'm really trying to create a solution set that the best is for them because any more, you know, one size doesn't fit all and the cookie cutter approach does not work.
1: Well, you're really putting yourself into their, you know, putting yourself into their shoes and understanding their business, which is what people selling is all about, is understanding the business of our clients, not just going and say, you need a small business server and here's why. I think, that's, uh, I think that's the reasoning why the technology assessment toolkit. Yeah, and if you go into Microsoft.com and do a search, I'm sure you can find it there uh, on their website, or uh, uh, kind of let like cat out of the bag here, but if you sign up on smallbusinessitradio.com for our alerts when new shows are added, we'll make sure you get a list of the top five uh, people-based selling uh, tips for your uh, small business uh, emailed out to you. So go to smallbusinessitradio.com. On the top right of the page, I do believe somewhere in the right side and near the top, there's a place to sign up for our alerts and announcements. Sign up there, and we'll make sure you get a copy of the five uh, people-based selling tips that Jody and I can uh, put together here for you, and we'll make sure we email those out to you. Jody, the other thing you mentioned was Microsoft Financing. We first got wind of this, I think, uh, back about a year ago. We were in Omaha. We were having a little bit of a roundtable meeting, uh, one of our peer groups, and the fine folks from Microsoft Financing came out and talked to us. A year has passed. A lot of deals have been uh, closed because of Microsoft financing. Explain to me how HTS uses that as a competitive advantage over, say, the other IT providers in the, uh, in the Midwest.
0: Well, Really, Microsoft financing, like I said, is, is very aggressive in, in what they're able to do. First of all, it, it, again, the, uh, they're able to do a lot of things that regular financial institutions can't do. Second of all their, their turnaround time for approval is incredible usually within 24 to 48 hours I, I know if they if the end user is able to use the leasing uh, through Microsoft financing um, so we've gone to standardize putting it on most of the quotes that are going out especially to new clients we put that option on there because it's one of those things like you said first of all Stuart we're salespeople and our uh, we have very short attention spans and, and having that listed on our on our quotes brings that topic up to discuss, even if the client doesn't think they're interested when you're discussing it at that point, it is something that, you know, maybe 25% of the time we come back to and revisit and say, you know, maybe we should look at doing this, or maybe if you go this direction, look at the other solutions that we can roll out also and get you to where you wanted to go to begin with, but your budget was not allowing you to get there. And so it really has given us a leg up in in, uh, a lot of, a lot of our marketplace, because we're approximately the only person in most of our marketplaces that are able to bring Microsoft financing to the table with us.
1: Well, if you we look back at our example there, we had that agriculture-based business wanting that $15,000 solution. We sit down with the engineers, we do all the scope work, and we find out you know, they really need a thirty dollars to $45,000 solution. Now, if you take that $15,000 solution, maybe throw three years of managed services in there, you now have that $45,000 $45,000 solution. I mean, not to break all the numbers right out, but you know you could do spread that over a 3-year period and the client's got their $15,000 per year IT budget, which sometimes to a small business is a lot easier pill to swallow than outlaying 45 grand right off the bat because of cash flow or whatever. You know, they got to pay their employees and Joe, this is where understanding their business and putting yourself in their shoes you could sit down and have a, a business discussion with the client now, and say, "You know, Mr. Client, we're a small business too. We understand the importance of cash flow. You got to pay your bills. You got to pay your employees, and you don't have a, you don't have the fat forty five thousand dollars to drop on the table for your technology. But you know what? You need it, and here's some creative ways we can help finance that. And I think most clients, even if it's Microsoft financing or leasing, would look at that and say." Yeah, you know what? Thanks for taking care of us. Well, looking at that and taking care of us because hey, the competitor that you're competing against never even offered that to us. You really uh, take that next step on really building that relationship and becoming that trusted IT per, uh, solution provider to them. That's the yeah. next step, Jody, becoming that trusted IT uh, solution provider. The deal's done; everything's in. What does Jody do now to enhance the relationship with your clients?
0: Well, again, I think the biggest thing is no matter the size of the client, and and not to get too much into sales jargon and and such, but I sit down and I prioritize my my clients as an A, B, or C, depending on the size of the client, um, budgets, and and, and a whole list of other things and and how we can help them. And I I put them on, for a better term of a word, a a tickler list as to how often I'm going to ping them. Pinging could be calling, stopping by, um, emailing. Uh, any sort of a customer touch. And we use ConnectWise, and so through ConnectWise, I'm able to keep track of all of that uh, on a daily basis, always going back. uh, I use ConnectWise uh, in my life almost as much as Outlook, just keeping on top of of what's going on with my clients and and what what sort of a touch that I need with them at this point. And I think the longer you work with a client, you, you kind of learn to understand how they like to be communicated with, Maybe meeting with them one every six months is plenty, while some clients want to meet on a monthly basis. And so staying on top of that, and again, uh, you know, I, I, I think I'm a ADHD, so I don't just have the short attention span, but I'm also hyper. So I'm always flying around the place trying to, trying to touch base with all my clients, and ConnectWise really keeps me grounded and, and keeps me focused as to what I need to do with, with my clients. And now and to build off of that, using ConnectWise like we do that way, if a client does call in, any other salesperson can open up ConnectWise, open up my client, and see every single thing that's gone on with that client. And I'm able to replicate a lot of things that I do if I'm not available to a lot of my inside staff and, and the other people that might be talking
1: to my client. That's perfect, Jody. So you got this long, uh, lasting relationship with uh, with your clients. Maybe tell, uh, maybe if you, if you can, share us a, a success story about you know a client of yours well, we don't have to name any names, but, you know, a client of yours or the industry that they're in, and what you did are special things that you have done to enhance the relationship. Because, again, we all know that relationships are what drive business. So so you have a success story that you can share with us?
0: Sure. Sure. It's actually one of my largest accounts. It's in in the printing industry, and uh, it's been a long-time account with us. uh, Even before I was with the company. Uh, with uh, the location that I'm at, it was serviced out of this location, but it had always been a reactive, hey, we need this, and we've never, and we hadn't been involved in the decision-making process up to that point. Um, When I took the account over approximately three years ago, it it continued to be along those same lines as a relationship, and finally we sat down and said, you know, we need to revamp this relationship. We need to to, to be more in the decision-making process because we're not able to give you the best solution sets and, and we have the resources to draw from that. We can tell you what the best solution would be, but we're not able to draw upon those because you're not bringing us in at the right time. You're bringing us in after the decision had been made and it's too late then. and So I'm just selling you something and I have no relationship and you could go down the street and buy it so you really don't need us to help you with this relationship. They were unable... Uh, unwilling i should say at that time to to change the relationship and and like i said it's it's my largest account and, and we sat down uh, with the executive team and decided that the relationship we had with them wasn't worth it it was it was very stressful it was one of those things that costing us a lot of time that we're not able to bill out and and just a a, a plethora of headaches and we walked away from the client basically what you hear about firing your clients we we fired them and said you know we're we really don't want to proceed down this path anymore with you. And we really enjoyed working with you, and hopefully in the future we can work with you. But at this time, this, this just isn't the direction we want to go. And that was painful uh, being a salesperson while well, working on commission. Uh, it's painful to write off your largest account and, and say, uh, well, hopefully I can fill up that gap with, uh, with new business. But uh, six months later, they had a reorganization within, the, uh, within their company, and, and they came back to me, some of the same people I'd been working with, but in different capacities, and came back to me and said, we're willing to, willing to sit down with you now and, and let's discuss the solutions before the decision is made. And, and they brought us in on a, a lot of the preliminary strategic planning for the company, and, and we were able to make a, a lot of um, informed decisions with them, helping to bring Microsoft resources and HP resources and, and a host of other resources to the table that they've never been able to bring and and help them make much better decisions after our relationship had changed with them and and uh, to this day they're back to being my largest account and and uh, they're using technologies that uh, when we started our relationship they said they'd never use and because of uh, because of uh, trips that we've we've taken them to see uh, blade servers and and HP NAS devices and virtual servers and through Ingram Micro Solution Centers and HP Solution Centers, uh, they uh, brought those technologies uh, on board. And, and I, I base that all on the relationship that, uh, that not just myself, but HTS, whether it had been Arlen, uh, the CEO, or, or Larry Heaton, the Vice President of Sales, we all had a decent relationship with them. And, and I think that really allowed us to walk away and have them almost chase us and bring us back to be uh, their solution provider again.
1: That well, sounds like a great story, Jordy, and it really, really just drives home the point of the importance of having a strong relationship, and also being able to walk away from those relationships that are not serving any any, any longer. I mean, I, we all have them. I have my own uh, relationships as well, where you know what, they just there was a lack of trust uh, either from my side or from the client side, and you know, wasn't serving the business well. And you have to be prepared to walk away from those uh, sometimes when they're instead of trying to force that. Uh, round uh, peg into the square hole or square hole in the round peg, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, you also mentioned, Jody, and before I get to that, I want to just remind uh, the folks out there that we are taking live calls, and the number, if you have a question, is area code 646-716-8372. Get at 646-716-8372. And you can uh, get online here and ask Jody or myself a question on the, on the topic at hand today. Or anything else sales related, because I'm sure we can fit that in, uh, given that uh, we are sales people and we have that attention span (laughs) problem that uh, we were just joking about earlier. Uh, Jody, you mentioned relationships, and you you mentioned HP and Microsoft, and you mentioned Er WindWires about 10 or so minutes ago. It's all understandable and great to have a relationship with your clients. Maybe we could talk a little bit about having that relationship with your vendors and the importance of. Having that same strong tie with your vendors as you do with your clients, is there anything that you can share with us there?
0: you know and it, that is as valuable as your relationship with your clients and and again, I, I you know go back to my mentor, the Arlen Sorensen he he really understood this long before a lot of other people did and, and uh, we have a relationship with Microsoft that I would match with any other company out there, and it all started with him just flying to Redmond, uh, I think he said once a quarter. And, and trying to set meetings up with people and, and hoping that they'd sit down and talk to him for 10, 15 minutes and, and hoping that he would be able to uh, glean information of upcoming products and, and what HTS needed to do to, to get more mindshare at Microsoft. And today that relationship is, you know, he's out there almost one week out of the month, and, and I was out there one time with him. And, and, you know, there are times when he's holding three different meetings at the same time with three different people, because his time is so valuable when, they're out, when he's out there and so many people want to meet with him that uh, he has to replicate himself doing those sorts of things. And that relationship has gotten us quite a bit of mindshare with Microsoft, and we're able to, to see products. We do a lot of beta testing with them, and, and, and uh, we're, we're seeing technologies years before they're brought out to, to the general public. And so by doing this, I can turn around and, again, strengthen my relationship with my clients, saying, look at what my engineers are doing. You know, they're flying out to Redmond. They're, they're meeting with the product developers of, of Microsoft. And we're helping, in a small way, maybe design some of the products that they're releasing. And, and we're doing that by asking you, our end client, what do you need? And so we're trying to bridge that gap between the client and, and the vendor and help them develop solutions that, are going to work with our clients. And we've done that. We've replicated that with HP. Uh, we've replicated that with SonicWall. And there are a couple other vendors out there that we have replicated that also with. And and it's very difficult. I, I know uh, Arlen uh, gets very tired. He, he flies quite a bit. He's going to a lot of different meetings. But, again, just like I build a relationship side with the clients, he's building the relationship side with the vendor.
1: Yeah, there's not a lot of folks out there that get that uh... I see it every day myself. They, they question why you're, you know, spending so much time with the vendors and and um, perhaps uh, not sharing it with uh, other other things in, in your life, business life. Mm-hmm. But I uh, I understand it. It was actually funny because I was doing the exact same thing, nowhere near the degree that Arlen was doing, of course. But I would, I'm the type of guy when I was in San Francisco working on a project one time. Hey, you know, SonicWall's only in Sunnyvale. It's only a, Forty minutes down the freeway, I would get in my car and drive down to Sunnyvale to meet with our our Canadian reps, mm-hmm. and they would say to me, "You know what? You're the only partners that ever came to see us in the SonicWall office. Well, what does that What does that do? That immediately positions our company ahead of all the other SonicWall partners in our region. And I I struggle every day when I hear from IT providers that that's not important. And uh, I believe just like Arlen does and like you do, Jody, that that is as equally important as having strong relationship with your clients and have strong relationships with your vendors. Because you know what, when the you know what hits the fan, and you got to make that phone call, and you're not getting the leverage through the regular support calls. Hey, you got an extra avenue that you can uh, go after or, or escalate things through, um, and that is very important in the business as well. So I struggle when I hear from people saying, "You know, I, I just don't see the, the value in creating strong." people relationships with my vendors, and I mean, I'm, I'm like Garland, I'm out in Redmond every, uh, not as frequently, but every every couple times a month, and I'm going to uh, uh, Toronto next week, and I'm making a special trip out to Microsoft's office in Toronto to just to visit with folks, and hey, hope I can get 10 minutes of FaceTime, because that's, that's what matters, and hey, you know what, Jody, you know what, as much as I do, and you mentioned it with Arlen, is now when he's there, he makes an announcement that he's there, and people want to meet him where they're stacking themselves up. So for those people that are self doubting out there that don't see the value in relationships up the stream, uh like with your vendors and your suppliers, uh if you take anything away from this webcast today and you take one take one step to enhance the relationship with your vendors and your and your suppliers, it would be you would I can guarantee you'll probably grow your company faster, uh, having a strong relationship with vendors because you can get stuff from them. Well now, so, you had but
0: if yeah, go ahead, sorry. One you know, the thing, Stuart, is, is building that mind share with the, with the, the vendors. Uh, in our case, I could count numbers of uh, numerous times that when they get into a situation, the vendor, let's say Microsoft, and they need a solution provider to help them or to help a client, well, they know exactly what we do, and they know where we're at, and they know how to reach us. Uh, there are numbers of times we're having Microsoft call here and say, uh, can you help us out with this? And, uh, you know, we, we've gotten a lot of new clients doing that, just, just again, owning that mindshare at Microsoft, knowing that if you're in Iowa, uh, really the go-to partner there is, is HTS, and no matter where you're at in the state, uh, give them a call, and they'll be able to help you out with almost anything.
1: That's, uh, and that's my mindset as well, as uh, exactly that. When it comes to uh, partners in the, in the western part of Canada, Microsoft, SonicWall, they all know where who the go-to partner in our region is as well. So it's, uh, it's very important to create that uh, relationship. One other thing, Jody, you know, talk about relationships, and it just kind of hit me is I just saw a thing in my Outlook come up for tomorrow, is relationships with the media. Do you have any that you can share with us?
0: Most of our our markets that we service, media is not – Not a, not, a, not a priority for us. Now, as in doing you know radio talk shows or, or television or standard newspaper articles, one of the things we do try and do is, is get very ingrained with the chambers, and uh, we do a lot of PR work that way, and, and our name does get out there. But specifically working with media, t- media sources, um, we did hire our, uh, a marketing salesperson here out of our Ames location that comes to us from the radio world, and I can see maybe that being an avenue that we start exploring more, especially as we continue to grow into larger metro areas, where the footprint of of media would help you gain mindshare with with clients. But up to this point, we haven't done a lot with that.
1: Yeah, you because know, we um, unlike your unlike unlike yourself, we do a lot with the media, and it's it's great because now we're the go again, we're the go to partner for any. Microsoft uh, media-type stuff, and I'm doing a media event next week. And it's it's just another way of getting your name out there. Uh, Gloria, I would, we have a few. Sorry, go ahead. you you going to say something?
0: I, I would give you one other relationship that, uh, again, uh, the Arlen has started working on, and, and uh, we're getting a lot of, uh, of growth out of it. As we've discussed the vendors and, and the clients, another relationship that we're working now are, are LARS or licensing our large account uh, um, resellers out there that will deliver your enterprise agreements for Microsoft or your campus agreements or, or sell the software, but a lot of them don't have engineers or, or consultants that will go out and really sit down with the end user or the client. And we're starting to build relationships throughout our market areas with the LARs that are very uh, active there and really sitting down, even up to I have one of our uh, account uh, managers that sits down with with the local R almost on a weekly basis, and they develop goals and game plans as to what they're going to be doing together and how we can help each other
1: out. hmm. That's a that's a great way to look at it too. It's, I mean, it come, when it comes down to it, you got to create relationships across the whole spectrum of everywhere where you touch. It. If it's clients, uh, vendors, media, other business uh, associates, it's very important to have our relationship across the whole, whole base of your business. And as I say sometimes to my engineers, you know what? It's more than just the technology. The technology is important, but you cannot sell a technology solution without having that firm relationship with the people that you're doing business with. Mm-hmm. And it really comes down to your people-based selling. and This is what the whole yeah. show is about today, It exactly. is the art of people-based selling. So, Jody, we have a few minutes left here. Uh, in, in wrapping things up, you know, if we were going to take a few things away, uh, you know, the tips from Jody type now, what would they be? What, what could we take? have our lifters take away with them today?
0: I think really, you know, putting yourself out there and, and you know, with, if you're looking at with the client, making sure you're sitting on the same side of the table as them and, and use the tools like you were saying, Stuart, you're going to send out the, the tools that are out there to help you understand where they're at and, and kind of open yourself up to your clients and say, you know, we're a small business too. I understand the problems or the concerns that you guys go through. We go through them also. And here's, you know, budgets and making sure everybody gets paid. We, we, we see the same thing. And, and kind of opening yourself up to them and, and along the same lines, opening yourself up to your vendors and saying, you know, one of the great things that Arlen does is he sits down with our vendors and says, how do you guys get paid and how can we help you get more money? And by opening ourselves up and, and asking them that question, they open themselves up and they say, okay, here's how I'm, I'm reimbursed or how I make my commissions, and here's how you can help me. And, you know, it's it's always it it hasn't always been that easy to work with on both sides of the coin, but um, one of the things Arlen's taught me is, you know, you open yourself up and you treat others as you want to be treated, and, and really in the end of the day, you know, yes, maybe someone will take advantage of you every once in a while, but that's a very small percentage of times. And what you gain out of that uh, with all the great relationships, because a lot of my clients aren't just clients, but they're my friends. And like you and I said, you know, I go golfing with them. We go out for lunch and dinner. And, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I take it a step beyond just the client-salesperson uh, relationship because it, when they succeed, I succeed and, and, uh, and build our relationships off of that.
1: That's perfect, Jody. Now, I just understand, for those people that are listening, if they're having trouble getting to the website, uh, smallbusinessitradio.com, there is uh, some DNS problems with one of our providers in, in town here. So, there may be some issues there getting to that website, but just uh, keep trying and uh, you'll get through eventually. Um, Jody, if we had somebody uh, listening to the show here via the uh, download from iTunes, had any questions uh, for you after the fact, uh, how can we reach out to you? What's the best way? Do, what, are you open to having people contact you? Oh, certainly. Um,
0: probably the best way would be email, and uh, simply because then you can respond. Uh, you know, it could be 2 a.m. in the morning, and I can respond. Um, that my email address is jhicks, H-I-C-K-S, at heartlandtechnologies.com. And, feel free and also, to if you
1: have some issues getting through to Jody that way, you can also email us uh, through, the sh- uh, through the show here off our website, and we'll make sure those uh, questions get uh, fired over to Jody. And again, uh, go to the website, go to smallbusinessitradio.com, sign up today for our alerts and announcements, and we'll make sure we get the, the top five tips for people based selling to you uh, in an email, and you can take those and use them as reference to start building up. Uh, your successful people-based selling practice and hopefully at the end of the day winning more opportunities, winning more business because you tip the time to build those relationships with your client base. Jody, I want to thank you today for coming on SmallBusinessITRadio.com or Small business IT SmallBusinessITRadio um, and uh, sharing your insight um, on how you do things in the market. Uh, if you inspire anybody else to get inspired me, it's, um, it's going to be truly wonderful.
0: Well, I appreciate. I appreciate the offer and the time, Stuart.
1: And thank you uh, very much. And just a quick reminder to everybody uh, listening. We're going to actually have another show tomorrow. Uh, and we're going to be having uh, Liz Bierman from uh, the KLA Group. They're out of Denver, Colorado. And we're going to talk about 10 ways to get more leads for your business. I met uh, Liz in Vegas in early August at the CompTIA. Conference And Liz uh, put a presentation on there and it's where this whole uh, webcast kind of spun from. So that'll be tomorrow. I think it's at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, here on blogtalkradio.com and the smallbusinessitradio.com website will have a link to it. You can go there and uh, check things out. This is Stuart Crawford in Calgary, Alberta, with Small Business IT Radio, uh, thanking you for taking time out of your morning to listen to us live or downloading us via the, the, the webcast. If you have any questions for us, my direct line is area code four zero three seven one zero four three five seven You can also email me at stuart at S-T-U-A-R-T, at stuartcrawford.com, and we'll uh, get through to you uh Jody, I know you're still listening there a little little plug for our uh our peer power book. Uh, we've uh, got a a special on the um, the peer power book. Uh, If you want to get great tips like Jody and I were talking about, plus another bunch of great tips from 26 of our peers at the HTG peer groups, if you go to, uh, I have a a link on my website at doyouhabitbook.com, doyouhabitbook.com, just like it sounds, Uh, you can click on it, you can purchase it online, and uh, as an extra bonus for you buying the book, I'm going to throw in a copy of my book called Do You Have It?, which is three to four years of stories and, and experiences that I learned in business for myself so you can grab that uh, at the doyouhaveitbook.com website again if you go to smallbusinessitradio.com there's a link to it there so you don't have to try to remember all these URLs so we'll look forward to uh, hearing or talking to you tomorrow uh, for uh, Small Business IT Radio this is Stuart Crawford coming to you from Calgary, Alberta signing off for today have a great and successful uh, day and we'll talk to you tomorrow